joined by my co-host, Tyler Burton, this evening. It's week two of spring ball. We just got through a mega recruiting weekend in Norman for a lot of 2024 and 2025 recruits. And uh, we've also got some sweeping action happening on the diamond. Uh, Good sweeping for softball, bad sweeping for baseball. We're going to cover it all. Uh, But before we dive in, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Adams. Uh, Diamond Sports, they are in the thick of things right now. Softball and baseball kind of going on two separate paths at this point. I know the baseball is kind of in a dogfight right now trying to pick up a win in the midweek game, something that's uh, kind of been lacking uh, in the last couple of weeks. But big opportunity for OU baseball this upcoming weekend with Stanford coming to play at Eldale Mitchell Park for a four-game series. OU's about to take on Texas. Uh, Red River rivalry up in Oklahoma City Friday night, followed by two games in Norman on Saturday, Sunday. And kind of the best part about the whole thing, Adam, is it kind of feels kind of feels like, you know, football season we're we're kind of getting into it so uh spring practice is underway recruiting is really starting to pick up oh you got their first commit of the 2024 cycle so uh, a lot of really really good things happening right now in OU athletics but I do Adam before we kind of dive into the you know meat and potatoes of this episode I do kind of want to start the show off on a little bit of a sadder note start tonight's show with the news about uh Peyton Bowen and his family that came out uh, late last night early this morning our thoughts and prayers go out to Peyton and the Bowen family Peyton's sister passed away uh, giving birth to his niece. And, you know, Adam, that is just a absolutely heartbreaking uh, for, for that family. I can't imagine what, what he and his family are going through, but uh, our hearts and prayers, you know, go out to that entire family. And if you haven't seen it yet, I encourage all of our listeners, if you can, go uh, visit the GoFundMe page that was set up by that family to help take care of the cost of, you know, living for that newborn, also to pay for the funeral costs. Uh, you can find that page by going to Peyton Bowen's uh, Twitter account, at Peyton Bowen 10. It's, it's the pinned tweet at the very top of the page. But yeah, Adam, just a horrible, tragic situation all the way around. Uh, and so uh, we speak for you know all of Sooner Nation when we say that our thoughts and prayers go out to this new and amazing OU family. Yeah, certainly uh, we'll be praying for Peyton Bowen. Um, you know, it's got to be tough to move away from home, and two and a half months later, um, this this all falls on him and, and the family. It so, is. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what an awful situation that is, and then. <laughs> I don't know how to transition away from that, but uh, we do have to talk about you know some of the positive things that are happening around OU football right now. And uh, we we I guess our week into spring practice at this point, and we've seen a lot of videos, we've seen lots of photos, we've gotten lots of post practice interviews, lots of things that we weren't mm-hmm. used to under Lincoln Riley. That um, is just enough to give you a little bit of a taste of of everything that's going on with the team, but not truly enough to really know what's going on. But yeah. I know there's some things that I think still stand out. So, Tyler, what stands out to you from what you've been able to, to see uh, so far? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, Adam. But, you know, kind of the first thing that comes to mind um, is the Image Jones interview. He had a chance to meet with the media, you know, just a few days ago. First chance getting to hear from the newest member of the OU coaching staff. And just those 10 minutes of Coach Jones meeting with the media, Adam, it's pretty clear OU knocked it out of the park with this hire. He's a perfect fit for the culture and the foundation that Brent Venables is building in Norman. A leader of men, a true players coach in every sense in every sense of the word. Loves and pours into his guys. And my 
favorite line that he used, Adam, and I sent this clip over to you uh, just a little while ago. When he was asked about the guys uh, in his position group, his immediate response was, I love my classroom. I love those guys in my classroom. So I can't wait to see what Emma Jones is able to do with the current guys on campus. And we already know with his ties to high school football in the state of Texas, elite wide receiver recruits are going to continue to make their way to Norman uh, on a regular basis. So, yeah, loved what I saw out of Emma Jones. Uh, Very eager. Um, but still kind of you know holding back just a little bit, reserving some judgment. Uh, I know that there's a lot of unproven uh, commodities in that position room outside of Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops, but uh, in terms of the guy that's leading the charge in that position, uh, you got to love what you've seen so far out of Emma Jones. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. For me, two things stand out. Uh, we saw Tyler Guyton, uh, I think last week, uh, I think it was part of maybe Hang Time's uh, video on YouTube where he said, I'm not going to say much essentially, but – uh, this year is going to be different. And we've heard a couple of different comments kind of along those lines from other players as well. And at first I kind of thought, I, I think I heard that last off season and it didn't turn out so well. And that's, that's fair. I don't, I don't think everyone knew exactly how things were going to go a new coach, new administration and so forth. Um, but I, I kind of think too, at the same time, I think these guys know a lot more about what's going on than we do. So the optimistic view is that, Hey, they knew what last year was. They knew what went into last year. And now they know what the foundation is and where this team could go uh, going forward. So I think that's very positive. And I think a good example of that is Dasan McCullough. Uh, we've seen a couple of clips of him in practice. You can just tell that's a different type of playmaker that we have at that cheetah position, a different type of athlete, um, a different size of athlete. Uh, it, it amazes me to see how large of a human he is and how easily he's able to move around uh, just in drills, uh, you know, simple drills uh, in practice. And so I think that's just one example of, I think, how this team's going to be able to bounce back pretty strong mm-hmm. in 2023. Yeah, and I think one of the things that echoes from all the players that we've had a chance to listen to so far this spring is that it's starting to slow down, especially for guys on the defensive side of the football. You know, we heard it time and time again last year that learning this system, learning the complex schemes of a Brent Venables coach defense, for these guys, it was like drinking from a fire hose. It was it was uh, so much new information. You know, defense is, you know, there's no – it's no secret the defense has been lacking in Norman, Oklahoma for the better part of the last 20 years. So uh, once you've got Brent Venables, you know, coming from the time in Clemson, you know, uh, uh, just a, a – it was almost, you know, routine that it was a top-five defense that Brent Venables associated himself with year in and year out. So, But it's apparent that they're growing more and more comfortable in year two of the system, and hopefully, Adam, we'll see if that can translate into better play this fall. And kind of sticking, you know, on the defensive side of the football, you know, it was great seeing Gentry Williams back out on the practice field. Now, obviously, they're still kind of trying to ease him back into this thing a little bit slowly. But uh, just, you know, the overall athleticism and physicality of these defensive guys, both returning upperclassmen, but also, you know, some of the newcomers from the 2023 class, also some of the guys that are going into their second year uh, wearing an Oklahoma uniform. These guys just look night and day different compared to a year ago. And I think that probably the biggest position group that I'm, you know, very, very excited about, you know, the direction that we're going, Stutzman and Canick. You know, it's kind of a, I kind of feel like that's, um, those two guys are leading the charge. We kind of feel like that's going to be the two-headed monster at the linebacker position for OU when this thing kicks off. Uh, But the quality depth behind them, 
uh, starting to take shape with Kobe McKenzie starting to come onto the scene. Kip Lewis is, is you know, starting to make an impact. And then you've also got a guy in Phil Pachotti uh, that coaches are starting to rave about his wealth as well. They think that he has an opportunity, you know, I'm not sure if he if he'll have an opportunity maybe to take, you know, a starting position anytime soon this year when you've got some veterans ahead of him. But future is extremely bright for this kid, and who knows? Maybe we're looking up halfway through the season, and you see Phil Pachotti out there taking a few of the reps uh, away from some of the starters, or at least getting into that two deep rotation. Obviously, we'll touch on him uh, a little bit more in just a minute. But yeah, I think overall athleticism, physicality, uh, the the brand of football that Brent Venables is trying to instill and bring back to the forefront uh, here at the University of Oklahoma. It kind of feels like 18 months into the BV era, we're starting to see that get uh, get a little bit better, starting to ramp up a little bit more, and hopefully that can continue this fall. Yeah, I was thinking about Danny Stutzman the other day and kind of where I might put him in the hierarchy of Brent Venable's linebackers at this point. And Brent's had some incredible, like All-American after All-American after All-American. Yeah. So like every year from 2000 with uh, Rocky Kalmus all the way up until – I mean, even Travis Lewis was was really solid in that you know 2008 to 2010 time frame. Yeah, uh, Curtis there. Lofton, and Rufus. Curtis I Lofton. mean, yeah, it was just one after another. I mean, there was no gap. There was always an alpha, you know, All American candidate, if not mm-hmm. an actual All American there. And so I was like, okay, where does Stutzman kind of fit into that? And I think he's more on the tail end of some of those All American linebackers. He's kind of more like maybe a Tom Wart at this point, um, a guy that I think OU fans weren't super thrilled with, but. Dude still made some plays, still had some moments as a Sooner, and I think now we're going to be able to understand, like, does he have more of that Rocky and Teddy type, you know, ability, or is he going to have, like, you know, some of those head issues as far as, like, understanding mm-hmm. the defense and being the right place? I don't think I, – I think I lean the, you know, the former in regards to – I think he is at least an all-conference type of guy. I think there's certainly potential there. Uh, you mentioned Phil Pachotti a second ago, and – uh Kind of timely because we tweeted out a photo of him earlier, uh, actually about two and a half hours ago. It already has almost 6,000 views and over 100 likes, uh, which still kind of blows my mind because I remember, what was it, like two and a half years ago oh or so God. we started the Twitter account. and I remember being excited, like, dude, we got 30 likes on it. We're going viral. <laughs> um, but thank you to everyone that follows us and interacts with us on Twitter there. But um, I learned something new on Twitter today. Uh, I should not tag Phil in any of our photos. I did that because he follows us. I don't know if he listens to the pod, um, but apologies if he does, because everyone who responded to that tweet uh, where I asked, hey, you know, which freshman has the best chance to play? Phil got tagged in the reply. So um, oh. I'm sure he's enjoying watching some of those replies and um, fans being uh, foolish, I think, in some things that they say. But we got a lot of really good responses, a lot of PJ Adebare, a lot of Peyton Bowen, as far as names that people think might be able to start as a true freshman. Obviously, those are going to be the two that everyone gravitates towards. Tyler, are you in agreement that those are the two best options to, to start as a true freshman, or do you have any others in mind? I've got a sleeper pick in mind, but yeah, I definitely think starting out here, I think that you know Peyton Bowen and P.J. Adabari, just because you know, basically the two positions that they play have kind of been I don't want to say a weak link, but that's definitely been two of the position groups on this football team that's kind of been lacking uh, for the better part of the last five to ten years here at Oklahoma. So I think that when you when you look at the current makeup of this roster and you see the guys that are at the at the positions currently ahead of Peyton Bowen and PJ, 
uh, Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, R. Mason Thompson a little bit. You know, guys that uh, we can kind of get, we can give R. Mason Thompson a little bit of a pass. Obviously, he was a true freshman year ago and made some nice plays and did extremely well when his number was called. But when you've got a guy in PJ Atabare, five star, you know, consensus top ten player in the country coming in, who's got all the hype, he's got he's got the skill set, he's got all the physical tools. If he can figure out a way to figure th- to figure things out mentally, uh, I think that there's a very strong case. Maybe not right out of the gate. You're going to see PJ starting uh, in an Oklahoma uniform, but you know if he can figure out a way to take uh, you know a, a, a good portion of the reps away from a Downs or a Grimes. Um, once Big 12 conference play rolls around and this kid, you know, starts to get a little bit more comfortable in the system, starts to find his footing and gets used to going against these, you know, these tackles at the Division One collegiate level, I definitely think that PJ Atabara has a chance to be a starter for this football team uh, as we get a little bit closer or as we, you know, move further and further into the season. Peyton Bowen. I would say that he's probably he's second, um, just because you've got guys like Billy Bowman. You know, I think that we could pretty much go ahead and you know put a put his name and pin at one of those starting safety positions. Key Lawrence is one. Reggie Pearson is a guy who there's been a lot of good content that this uh, social media team for OU has put out over the last couple of weeks. He looks extremely good uh, moving around. And again, I know we're just in t-shirt and shorts right now, but he's a guy that has a lot of experience playing at this level, especially in Big 12 play. So I definitely think that Reggie Pearson could be one. But my sleeper pick, Adam, throwing this back over to you, I'm going back over to the wide receiver position. Uh, we talked about it. Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, everything after that is kind of a crapshoot as far as what you're, you know, what we can try to forecast, what we can try to expect uh, from the wide receivers. I think Jaquez Petaway, who's got track speed, he's a burner, he's a big play waiting to happen. I think we could look up uh, a couple games into this season if he, if this kid can come in and hit the ground running this summer. I think Jaquez Petaway could pencil. Uh, he could definitely see some time. Uh, starting at one of those uh, interior uh, receiver positions. Wide receiver is certainly one of the easier positions to get on the field as a true freshman. We didn't see it much last year, but uh, Petaway's got you know some some next level speed that I think could certainly yeah. contribute to a wide receivers room where there's a lot of positions up for grabs there. And I think I'd be fully on board with you there. The one thing that holds me back is he's just not on campus yet. So that. that Certainly, will slow him down a little bit, but I think he'll, it does. he'll certainly play a lot. Yeah, but hey, Jaquez, go long. There you go. <laughs> yeah, That's not, so, hard. not hard. Not hard. Yeah, um, and and just because a guy's not starting doesn't mean that they're not going to be a major impact player. I think. Sure. I think Brent's going to lean more heavily towards his older and more experienced players to give them the the honor of starting, uh, but that doesn't mean that Peyton Bowen might not get the majority of the snaps from a Reggie mm-hmm. Pearson, for example. I'll go a little bit more deeper sleeper than Petaway, though, because PJ and, and Peyton are, are are pretty obvious and, you know, not much to talk about there. Uh, we got a response from Artful underscore Dodgers on Twitter. He listed a couple guys, but one he pointed out was uh, Cade McIntyre, uh, the tight end oh. recruit out of Nebraska. He's not on campus yet either. So that one's another one where I'm like, man, I really wish he was on campus because he'd be getting a lot of snaps right now it's, with the injuries yes. that have piled up in the tight end room. But he's a guy that I think will come in, you know, physically and match up pretty well with some older guys. I don't think he's going to have to do a whole lot to his body to be ready to get on the field this year. And so really you just look at it and go, okay, well, can he pass Austin Stogner and a Caden Helms, for example, you know, when when he comes back from injury in the summer? Mm -hmm. And yeah, Stogner's got a lot of experience. 
But I also wonder at the same time if maybe Stogner's got, you know, more of a defined ceiling and maybe McIntyre can come in and wow a little bit. Um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's that's a kind of a wild sleeper, but I like that response that we got from uh, from Artful Dodgers on Twitter. I, I think that's a really good one as well. And one of the things, again, if you're not an early enrollee, if you're not a mid-year guy coming in in the month of June as a true freshman, it's such a steep learning curve that you've got to get up to speed uh, super, super quick. So, again, we talk, I talked about just a little, a little while ago, drinking from a fire hose as a true freshman in a new system. Can Cade McIntyre come in here and in just a matter of three months, uh, you know, for, forget the the summer conditioning working out with Schmitty. He's already uh, a little bit further along than most true freshmen showing up to a, uh, a college, you know, Division One weight program. But again, if he can figure out a way to uh, to learn the system, I'm sure he's already started uh, tr- tr- uh, trying to learn what Jeff Lubby tries to tries to do, especially with the tight end room. He had a lot of chance to watch uh, Braden Willis from a year ago with some of the ways that he was utilized in the passing game. But yeah, I. That was kind of an off-the-radar one, but yeah, I could see Cade McIntyre coming in, and maybe he's a guy that uh, could, could could surprise us a little bit. Drake Stoops, Jaleel Farouk, Andrell Anthony, uh, Gavin Freeman, LV Bunkley-Shelton, and Billy Bowman all reported as guys that are taking reps as punt returner. Do you have a favorite out of this group? Adam, unless it's a super big game, whether it's an OU Texas, whether it's a Big Twelve championship, a college football playoff, I kind of, I'm kind of one. I sit in the category where I do not want my best players in the return unit. <laughs> we all know from a year ago, Billy Bowman uh, getting knocked out of the TCU game and ultimately missing the following weekend against Texas uh, because of a kick return and you know one of the first two possessions of the football game. I think Drake Stoops. Um, I, I don't want to see him out there, Jalil Farouk. I damn sure do not want to see you out there just because we got to keep him healthy, got to keep him upright. Andre Anthony, I know that he's got the explosiveness. You know, he can make you miss in a phone booth. I kind of like the possibility of Gavin Freeman a little bit, maybe a little bit of LV Bunkley Shelton, but by no stretch of the imagination do I want any starter or any contributor that's going to get a significant portion of the reps out there with 11 men, you know, running full speed at you whatsoever. It's not worth it. I had the exact same thought, especially on Billy Bowman. Jalil Farouk, I I agreed at first, but then I thought, okay, he is a little bit bigger guy. Like he played some running back, um, took some snaps, uh, you know, at at the Wildcat Mm -hmm. last year. So he's a little bit more of a bigger guy, but yeah, I I agree. I don't really want to put him out there. Drake Stoops is a guy that, you know, he's not going to drop the ball, but he's not going to run away from anybody either. So I'm in the Gavin Freeman camp here. I think he's a guy that maybe he could excel. That that could be some of his role. He may not break through and, and be a number two wide receiver just yet, but he could be a really good punt returner, and that could be his focus. Mm-hmm. And we know he's got electric speed. He's a little bit smaller guy. He might be harder to find in the traffic of those punt returns. Um, but also, uh, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I guess, think through the past years of OU football and all the great punt returners. Antonio Perkins, a starter on defense, a key piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Saunders, your best wide receiver. C.D. Lamb, your best wide receiver. Sterling Shepard, your best wide receiver. D.D. Westbrook, your best wide receiver. Ryan Broyles, Marvin Mims, like these were all like your best top receivers. And the reason we think back about those punt returners is I think pretty much all of them returned to punt, uh, a punt for a touchdown. So the, it's like risk versus reward, but I see it both the ways. options that we have I right do. now. Yeah. I do. I mean, I, yeah. I like the position that we're in. Again, it's nice having all these options. You know, you've got elite skill talent that has the opportunity to, 
you know, take the punt returner position. But again, to, for me, the risks just far outweigh uh, the, the possible rewards. I know that, you know, once you get into, you know, those tight games against, you know, the better competition that OU will see this year, sometimes it takes a play in special teams that can be the difference for you. So, you know, does it, does having, you know, Andre Anthony back there or Jalil Farouk back there, you know, in the fourth quarter where you've got to try to flip the field to set yourself up, uh, you know, to, to take the, you know, t- tie it or take the go ahead uh, lead. I, I can see that, but, Maybe that's something kind of in a one-off scenario, but I think that we're uh, pretty much in agreement here. I think Gavin Freeman uh, or LV Bunkley Shelton could be uh, could be two really good candidates. Well, OU wrapped up a mega recruiting weekend this past weekend. Over 100 different players uh, spanning the 2024 up to the 2027 class. Uh, a lot of big-time recruits in Norman. We got a lot of uh, crystal balls and forecasts, but we did get our first commitment from the 2024 class. Uh, kind of surprise in uh, Jeremiah Newcomb, the defensive back out of Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. Really good gift for uh, Brent Venables to kick off this 2024 class. Four-star cornerback from Queen Creek, Arizona, five foot 175 pounds. Top five player in the state of Arizona, a top 20 player nationally at his position. A little bit smaller in stature, Adam, but the kid plays bigger than his size would indicate. Really good at defending the pass, got pretty good ball skills with his hands, and he's fearless. That's probably my favorite trait when you turn on the film and you watch this kid play. Fearless is what comes to mind. He's not afraid at all to come up and, uh, and hit you. I think that this is a really, really nice get for Oklahoma and a good way to kick off things for the 2024 class. And, you know, even though based on the recruiting philosophy, the way that Brent Venables and his coaching staff likes to go about things, offers are thrown out there. But, hey, if you still have any interest whatsoever in checking out other programs, if you have any interest whatsoever of going and visiting other places and you're not sure 1,000% that Oklahoma is the place for you, this is what you want to do, then we don't want you to commit. We'll, we'll take your time. We'll see you a little bit later in the year, and we'll see if we can't close the deal then. But, you know, you start going down the list, Adam, of some of the guys that made the trip to Norman this weekend that uh, walked out of their visit from Norman uh, with some pretty good forecasts and crystal balls. Uh, you've got five guys uh, combined for the class of 2024 and 2025 uh, that uh, have got a crystal fi- crystal ball in favor of the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, four out of the five, I believe, were all on campus uh, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. The fifth one, uh, Devon Mitchell, I don't think he was on campus uh, unless I'm completely wrong there, but he's been to OU quite a few times. Yes. He's the former teammate of Michael Hawkins, the 2024 quarterback that we all are expecting to commit to OU. I guess next week is when his announcement date mm-hmm. is, uh, but he's the five-star tight end. He's not listed as a five-star on any uh, recruiting site that you look at, just composite of the very high four-star ranking that he has across all three different sites. He actually transferred out to California for his Maybe junior, maybe senior season. We'll see if he reclassifies. Mm-hmm. Right now he's a 2025 commit. Um, I think certainly the coaches would love to have him come in in 2024. Uh, but I think that's probably the biggest name that was on that crystal ball report. Uh, we tweeted that, and that's linked in our show notes, actually. So if you want to see that tweet, it lists every single recruit that uh, did get a forecast or a crystal ball to the Sooners uh, this piece, this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Really good recruiting weekend all the way around. A little bit different uh, than some of the typical recruiting events that Brent Venables and this recruiting staff have organized. You know, over the last 18 months, traditionally they like things, they they like to keep things a little bit smaller, you know, a little bit more one-on-one attention. But when you've got a 
when you when you've got an opportunity during the off season during uh, g- giving recruits and their families an opportunity to come out to experience the University of Oklahoma, what this football program has to offer, uh, you know, spending you know a really really good amount of time with this coaching staff, with the members of the Soul Mission uh, group, and then also they get a chance to come out here and uh, you know watch. Uh, Oklahoma practice you know in the in the palace that just makes for a really good really exciting weekend and you know obviously we expect some positive things to come from that as we you know move closer and closer to national signing day but Adam uh, if you've got anything else on football uh, I'll throw it over to you but uh, I'm excited to talk some softball big weekend coming up yeah definitely probably the the one that we've been looking forward to the most outside of that OSU series towards the end of the year uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a massive uh, series against Texas, and um, you know, playing that Friday night game in Oklahoma City is is huge. I I don't know, I couldn't find what the record was uh, for a regular season attendance for a college softball game. The best I could do is maybe find some like average attendances uh, over mm-hmm. the years. I think Alabama has led that category a few different times with around twenty five, twenty seven hundred. We'll see if OU is <laughs> able to break that regular season attendance record once they move into the new Love's Field, but certainly a big opportunity for maybe 8,000, 10,000 fans or so to, to see that game, uh, game one of the series in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'll be interested to see just how packed that place is on Friday night. Obviously, um, you know, the, they played at that stadium or that ballpark a little over a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, they did not have any of the grand, uh, grandstand seating that they put in in the outfield for the Women's College World Series. That's still a little, little ways away. But when you look at the overall atmosphere that is expected, I don't think that there's any reason why we can't expect, you know, 5,000-plus to you know, to be showing up in Oklahoma City on on Friday night, but you know, Adam, it was a. Uh, I, I kind of feel like after the UCLA game, it was like okay, we we crossed, you know, we jumped over that hurdle. Now let's look forward to Florida State coming up here in just a few weeks. We beat Florida State, and now it kind of feels like we kicked the shit out of Iowa State, and now we're we've been looking forward to this series for you know all, all season long. It's OU Texas Red River in in the 405 number one versus number eight this is what you come to Oklahoma for uh, to, you know to play softball for in these type of regular season matchups but again this is uh, it, should this be a series yeah I think that this is going to be the most competitive um, outside of the Florida State game this is going to probably be the best overall team uh, with the way that Texas is playing right now they've got a, a pretty good win streak going right now coming off of an impressive uh, three game sweep of Texas Tech in Austin over the weekend Texas sitting right now at 35 and one their record so far this year and just a couple of players to watch for any of you OU fans uh, that's either going to be watching this game on television or is going to be making the trip uh, up to Oklahoma City or to Norman for the matchup this weekend a couple players uh, in the burnt orange this weekend that I want you to be aware of freshman shortstop Leanne Good I kind of feel like this is something that we're going to be talking about with Texas you know throughout the rest of this regular season a lot of good young talent especially from that freshman class this shortstop, Leanne Good, leads the team in batting average, hitting 413, 52 hits on the year, six home runs, 33 RBIs. She's a big time threat every time she steps in the batter's box. So it'll be interesting to see how this Oklahoma pitching staff tries to attack her this weekend with the game plan, uh, you know, that uh, the Jenna Roach and this pitching staff comes up with. And then also on the flip side, Adam, we talk about how good and how dominant this OU softball pitching staff has been. 
you know, led by Starocco and Ball and Nicole May. Well, Texas has got some pretty good arms of their own uh, coming up to Oklahoma City this weekend. This pitching staff combined has an ERA of 1.89. That is absolutely outstanding in the collegiate ranks, led by the two-headed monster of Mac Morgan. And, God, I'm kind of blanking right now on how you say this girl's first name. I, I apologize, but uh, Sitlali Gutierrez, they are combined 20-2. and two. In the circle so far this year, so this weekend will be the best pitching OU has seen all year long collectively from a staff, you know, right up there with the the UCLA's and Florida State's of the world. So I'm very, very excited about this matchup, Adam. It's one we've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. But it's still in the back of my mind. It makes me think any time that OU, any time that a team has OU's full attention and they're excited and they're ready to get up for this game, I kind of feel like we see the writing on the wall. We know what's going to happen. So if OU shows up, I don't know how competitive this thing's actually going to be, but I can't wait to watch how this thing unfolds starting on Friday night. That's a good point, and that's exactly why I'm predicting a sweep for the Sooners. And I think at least one game where OU has you know, something that is a real eye-popper in the run-rule department. You look at mm-hmm. this past weekend against Iowa State, Oh, you got off to a little slow start on Friday, got off to a slower start on Saturday before really running away with the the first game in the doubleheader there. And so Texas is a team that it's so hard to compare and contrast these two different programs against each other because no one really out there in the softball world is going to Kentucky or I guess hosting Kentucky and run ruling a top 25, top 20 team, 18 to nothing. Uh, so Texas, it's, it's hard to compare because they don't have anything like that. Instead, Texas is losing to South Florida, who's eh, okay, to Texas State, who is a fringe top 25 team at best in a non-power conference, who's beaten Texas Tech by one or two runs, a program that's improved this year, but traditionally Texas Tech, not very good at softball. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't see a way that, you know, this team is competitive with OU if OU's got their A game and their focus. Uh, looks mm-hmm. like we ha- should have some pretty decent weather. We're not going to be playing in bitter cold conditions uh, like we have been here in the Sooner State over the last several weekends. So I think this is a. I, I don't think Texas is a is a World Series team this year, uh, just based on on what they've shown so far. So I think OU can certainly sweep this and make a real statement uh, heading into the rest of conference play. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, Adam, because this is going to be the first time that these these two teams have matched up since OU run-ruled Texas to win a national championship a few months ago. So uh, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs uh, on this one. Um, I'm very, very excited to see it. We always know that when it comes to Patty Gasso coach teams, we always get the best brand of softball from this group. Once the lights are the biggest, they're on the biggest stage, and they've got the full attention of the team You know, in the opposite dugout. So... Again, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I expect this team to uh, to run rule uh, Texas one, if not more games, and I expect uh, OU to walk out of this weekend with a three game sweep, uh, just padding that resume and you know just keeping this train going and building that momentum as we uh, look forward to Bedlam coming up here in a few weeks. On the other side of the sweep is OU baseball. Not uh, a good week for the Sooners. Not a good week. For, uh, not a good week. Lost the midweek game against Dallas Baptist. Uh, as we're recording, OU's currently in the matchup with Wichita State. It's five to two Sooners right now, I believe in the seventh inning. Uh, still certainly some time left for a team that has really been a thorn in the side of OU. I think I called Dallas Baptist a thorn in the side of OU last week. Uh, and yeah, it, it proved to be true. Um, then the Sooners go up to Manhattan, get swept uh, by former OU coach Pete Hughes. Um, 
Friday night's game was just one to forget. It was, you know, two to one Wildcats heading into the fifth inning. And then it started absolutely pouring rain and OU had to play defense in that. It was, it was just wild to watch where uh, K-State put up five runs in that inning. And uh, that was the difference in the game. OU really never had a chance to get back in it after that. And unfortunately, K-State really wasn't affected by the rain as, whereas OU was, you saw um, on their turf field, you know, the ball getting hit in the infield and just bouncing and basically dying and, and routine Mm -hmm. ground outs were no longer routine. Uh, You saw, you know, balls flying into the outfield and, uh, outfielders, you know, sliding around, slipping, trying to throw, you know, into, uh, you know, second base. And it was just wasn't there. And K-State, you know, just was able to take advantage on that. Um, it was kind of frustrating because, you know, that game should have been, you know, uh, suspended until Saturday, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, things were going so well for the Wildcats. They just weren't going to let that happen. And so you thought, okay, maybe that was a weather game. You go into Saturday. Braxton Douthit, who's been, I think, OU's best pitcher, um, you know, was was cruising right along, doing really well. Had, again, the fifth inning where he gave up a couple runs, and um, that's really all it was that uh, that made the difference in the game. But um, a lot of sloppy play, a lot of sloppy play, mm-hmm. errors, poor base running. Um, you know, we we have a lot of injuries right now um, that this team has been walking through. You thought you were getting healthy. Uh, Kendall Pettis was back. Uh, you know, Wallace Clark was back. And then Dakota Harris goes down uh, last week. He's still not back. We're hopeful that he's able to come back this weekend. But uh, it's just like one thing after another. This team just constantly shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, not not a good week for baseball. No, not at all. And I think that the upcoming matchup against Stanford this weekend comes at a really good time uh, for Skip Johnson's crew. You know, we're... We're at a at a point in the season right now where again I don't want to I don't want to talk about expectations altering expectations I mean this team is still continuing to you know find their identity figure out you know how to play complementary baseball on a consistent basis but again Adam if if you're if you're Skip Johnson and you're this OU baseball squad I know that you know ultimately your goal is to compete for a Big Twelve championship each each year. But you have a really good opportunity this upcoming weekend with a really good Stanford team coming to Norman. So if you're skipping this crew, how can you use this this uh, upcoming series this weekend? You know whether it's taking three out of four or whether it's you know splitting. How can Oklahoma use the upcoming series this weekend to springboard them and get them back on the right side of the momentum uh, as Big Twelve play you know continues on? Skip always preaches one pitch at a time to his pitchers, and I think that's the same mentality that the entire team needs to bring. Uh, you look at you know what they did against TCU, a team that's no longer ranked in the top 25, but uh, still very much a solid program, and I think that's a quality series win to open up Big 12 play. Uh, and then you basically go and almost erase everything with a terrible week against K-State and Dallas Baptist. Now you have the opportunity to flip the, the tables again, uh, beating Wichita State you know, up in Wichita, um, that's going to be a good RPI builder. And then you have four games against Stanford here. Uh, it's going to test the the depth of this pitching staff. I think uh, it does start on Thursday. So you're going to see Braxton Douthat. If he is going to be a game two starter, he's going to be pitching Friday night. And I would probably expect him to stay in that Friday night role uh, going forward after this series uh, concludes. So, um, you know, I, I think it is one game at a time, though. It is, you know, go out, play your game. You're at home. We know this team can score runs. Uh, hopefully you get Dakota Harris back and his team leading three eight six uh, batting average, uh, and you're going up against a very good Stanford uh, ball club, number seven in the nation. Um, they are top 100 both in batting average and team ERA. They've got some really great pitchers for game one and game two of a series. After that, pretty big drop off. So um, you know, keep at it one game at a time. Even if you split 
and you know it's it's the the Saturday Sunday game. Um, you got to take that result, I think, in my opinion. But hopefully, the Sooners can find a way to get three out of four here. Yeah, I know that a lot of the attention and focus is going to be a little bit further north uh, on Jenkins up there at Marina Hines Field for OU Texas uh, this weekend in softball. But again, encourage everybody if you have an opportunity, if it's good weather, you know, come out there, support this team, you know, make this a tough place to play, you know, and get out there and try to impact this game and, you know, give this Oklahoma baseball team, you know, kind of that 10th man home field advantage. And hopefully that this will be an opportunity where oh, you can take three out of four against the Cardinal and kind of get this thing back on track and see if, uh, see if we can't continue to build that momentum and uh, start kind of start this thing off back on the right note uh, as we move forward with Big 12 play. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, Adam. Baseball, you know, um, this, is, this is a really pivotal series for this upcoming weekend. It kind of feels like we're at the we're at this point in the season where it can kind of you know it can kind of seesaw back and forth and depending on what Oklahoma can do this weekend if they can take three out of four against the Cardinal set yourself up really well for the back half of this conference schedule or you know if you go out there and you lay an egg you lose three out of four to the Cardinal then you know you're kind of licking your wounds and you know you've got Texas you've got Texas and Oklahoma State and you know Texas Tech and all those all those you know powerhouses in this conference coming up and. Uh, it's going to be a big test, but I expect Skip's crew to bounce back in a big way, and hopefully both Diamond Sports uh, can uh, take home series wins this weekend. Yeah, about this same time last year, OU uh, lost the series to New Orleans, but still went on to a College World Series. Now, I I don't think that this team has the arms to get there, um, but they've certainly got the offense to to make some noise in the postseason. And so you have to lay the foundation and the groundwork now uh, because you are going to play some really tough teams going forward. Uh, Texas Tech is a very dangerous team. Uh, they got swept by Texas uh, in their uh, Big 12 mm-hmm. uh, series this past weekend. So now Texas looks like a team to, um, you know, that's going to be a threat. West Virginia is very good this year. Oklahoma State's very good this mm-hmm. year. Um, but, you know, make some noise against Stanford. You're going to have Baylor coming up, Kansas coming up on the schedule. So you can build that momentum. You just can't have another weekend like you had at K-State where you just go up and um, lay an absolute egg, um, you know, going 0-3 there and, and having all those mental mistakes in the process. So um, certainly yeah. opportunities for this team to really right those wrongs and uh, get off on a better foot uh, as we, uh, do we approach ha- April. Do we have a final four pick? Mr. Uh, I have not watched. I didn't watch a single Elite Eight game. <laughs> okay. So, okay. no, I lose all interest in basketball once OU is really not in it. And, man, OU is not in it right now. And yeah. I know there's there's talk that Damian Collins, the uh, the Kentucky product that's now in the transfer portal, a guy that Lon Kruger was right there, you know, finished second place. He might be an option to transfer to OU. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think that OU is going to be the pick there and I don't know that he is going to make that much of an impact he was a a nobody on the Kentucky roster so I don't know I'm I'm about as low as you can be on OU basketball right now Um, you lost interest in the month of January it's okay we're all there (laughs) I battled through to the end I, I was still watching games but man it was ugly and not fun so um I don't know. Gold star for me for continuing to watch, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, that's going to do it for this evening's episode of the Mainline Podcast. We greatly appreciate everyone listening. Uh, the interaction on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, in the DMs has been uh, phenomenal, and we, we greatly appreciate everyone that's uh, supporting us there just by, by watching or listening or following our content. It just means a lot to us uh, that you guys are, are a part of the community there. So, uh, we will see everyone, everyone again next week for another episode of the Mainline Podcast.